Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we got a special young hustler. Tony's going to introduce him. This is Nick Pesley. Peasley. Am I saying his name right? Peasley. 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 Uh, he is the, the, like, he's been the, the OG of acquisitions at Middle America Homes for a minute now. He's been there through a lot of transitional moments and changes in that company. And uh, what I love about Nick is that I always see him on social media. He's always doing the, he's either in the gym or uh, I saw that brand new, well, it was brand new to him, the Kia Stinger that you got. Yep. And uh, he's just, he's he's promoting himself in a way that is uh, getting some attention. And I like watching him do his live sales calls as well so uh this is a guy who used to be in our office friendly competition uh still somebody that we can go to if we got some deals and uh quality dude nick peasley peasley thanks for coming on buddy yeah thank you guys i'm excited i'm really really excited this will be my my first real uh podcast so i appreciate you guys and um having this on i'm real excited Dude, your your first time ever speaking was at the Fort Wayne Rhea, you said, right? Yeah. So yeah, speaking in front of uh yeah, crowd, yeah. How'd you feel when you did that? Did it feel um I really I didn't feel like any nervousness at all. You know, I felt really comfortable. Um it just felt awesome, you know. Um I just love doing that and speaking. Kind of afterwards it made me realize it was like, um, this is something I want to do more of. You know, speak in front of people. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. What'd you like about it? Um, I liked um, answering all of the questions that people had. Mm. Um, and I liked really getting into the um, sales part of things um, because I've really dove deep recently into sales. And it's just a, it's turned into a huge passion for me is sales and like um, persuasion and um, how to speak to people, how to speak to sellers and communication. Um, so being able to actually like go over that and what I've learned is just like, it's super, super fun for me. So, mm -hmm. yeah. It was funny. I don't know if I ever told you, uh, did I, did I tell you about Kelly, our coach and what he asked me? Did um, I ever tell you about that story? No, no, I don't think so. I actually saw him this morning, but no, I don't think so. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So he asked me, uh, it was probably four months ago or something like that. But he's like, hey, you know that Nick guy? And he's always in the um, sauna. And I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, does he do well? Is he making money in this and that? I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I really don't know his personal life or anything like that. But uh, what I said to him and what I, what I remind a lot of people in the office, I'm like, dude, if, if Nick keeps doing what he's doing, I don't know if he is doing well or not, but I know he's going to be. If he keeps doing the same thing that he's doing, I'm like, I know he's doing the right thing. So that, yeah. that's what I uh, told Kelly. I was like, yeah, he's doing, he's doing, he's on the trajectory. Yeah. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really, I really do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was looking through your social media. It looks like you played some football. Yeah. In your younger years. Mm -hmm. Your Facebook is a little bit more dated than your Instagram. You know, your Instagram, <laughs> like you're doing everything for the <laughs> for the gram. Yeah. I don't see anything on the old school Facebook, but yeah. I was looking over some of your high school pictures and that sort of thing. Do you think that sports influenced you in like the way of like being competitive, being genuinely interested in doing things that could push you and help you develop character and like team building skills, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, 100%. This can go a couple of different ways. Um, so one of the the biggest things, I guess I could start, um, you know, with SCI, the, you know, success, you know, personal success institute. Um, when I went to that because of you guys for the basic, I realized um, the competitive drive that I have is really from my childhood. Um, you know, my brother is, he's five years older than me, um, and he played football and was playing sports, and I always wanted to, like, be better than him and compete, and he was really rough on me um, as a kid, you know, so that's a lot of where my competitive drive comes from, and then, yeah, you know, I've played sports um, since I was, like, you know, five or six, played baseball, football, basketball, lacrosse, 
Um, so yeah, very, very competitive, always in like team sports and stuff like that. So it definitely had a um, huge impact. And one of the biggest things that I was able to take away from that is um, how important like a team is. Um, you know, I was, I think it was this last side basic that, that we were at and we were staffing that one. Um, and he was talking about, you know, how there's two different, there's like two different types of people, someone who wants to get a goal and there's always going to be adversity that comes up. And the one who's smart surrounds himself with a bunch of people of like-minded who want to get to the same goal and it makes these obstacles a lot easier. Um, so that's one thing that sports has really taught me is like the importance of having a team and like being a leader and um, getting people to work together. So, yeah, 100%. Do you think... Uh, so I was looking at your stinger yeah, and then you just got a new place. Mm -hmm. So do you think that it's stretching you financially or do you feel like you're evolving as a person to kind of like meet that, you know, because like as you start to get, uh, into an, uh, into a different lifestyle or like elevate your lifestyle, you either feel like, oh crap, like you feel the stress and like the scarcity or you feel like, okay, well now I get to like rise to the occasion and become the person that deserves these things and prove it to myself kind of thing. Do you, how do you feel about where you're at right now? Yeah, it's really funny you mentioned that um, because it's something that like, um, you're exactly right. You know, it's um, stretching me financially because up to this point, I mean, I've worked, um, you know, regular jobs like W2 restaurants, stuff like that. And this year is going to be the most that I've made in a year and I'm really stretching my lifestyle standards. So it's like taking a bet on me. Like I have to continue doing what I'm doing and like the income. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to be able to pay for these things. Um, so it is a little bit of stress. You know, I was recently these past few weeks, like I kind of realized it, um, that, you know, I've jumped into these things. Um, so I was like, dang, you know, this is, this is stressful. You know, if I don't, um, continue being who I am, um, then, you know, this could all go away. Um, but then it was also like, you know, I have the confidence in myself um, based on, you know, what has happened um, and what I've went through and what I've learned and who I've evolved as a person. A lot of it is because of you guys, you know, going to Psy Basic and all this personal development stuff that, you know, um, I have the confidence that I'll be able to figure it out. And one thing when it comes to that, um, last year in October, um, you mentioned like how Middle America Homes has kind of had a lot of transition phases and stuff like that. Um, so I did around before October, it was like a month before that, I got an apartment downtown. Um, and at that point, um, the market was starting to shift and we didn't realize it yet. And our main partner was a hedge fund in South Bend, SFR3. Um, so we got a lot of our deals for them. Um, I'd be the ones who bring in, you know, the deals from the sellers and we'd go directly to them. You know, they were buying like 90% of ARV. So it was real easy. You know, I was making, um, more than I have ever, ever made there. And then they stopped buying because interest rates went up and I can remember vividly, um, you know, I made a video about this the other day, um, in October, you know, I had one deal close and it was $1,100 and my rent was 1100 um, so I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? Um, and I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> you made it through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm here. So, um, I, I went through that and I learned a lot through that. So I think that really taught me how to actually manage my money correctly. Um, how to set priorities when it comes to money and, and things like that. So that was a really tough time that I went through. So I feel like I have the uh, confidence and I've learned enough now that I can go ahead and expand my lifestyle. Right. That's, I'll say that's the funniest part about making a lot of money and stuff too that I think a lot about is I think about both. I, I feel uncomfortable. I feel stretched, but I also feel confident on my abilities, but I also know that I'm going to be okay if I got to go back to rock bottom because I've been there. You yeah. know what I mean? I've been without money. I survived. Mm -hmm. I was, I was okay. I made it. And so it's like, it's a, it's a tough thing though, to like really think about going back because you're like, okay, I'm now a different person, but at the same time, like knowing that you survived that I think does give a different amount of confidence when you know, you've freaking, you've been without money Yeah, and you, you did just fine. Like, yep. all right, I forgot to go back there. Like to me, 
I was actually just talking to Tony about it today. I'm almost I'm almost more excited because I'm gonna be doing this down in Florida now. More excited to restart because like it's it's doing the same thing over again. So it's like if you got right. everything taken from you, it'd almost be easier for you to go and do it now because you're evolved to where you're like, all right, dude, I've done this before, or you can go work for somebody else or something like that. But um yeah, yeah, what what got you into wholesaling in the first place? Because I remember you coming into this office, and it was so funny because at that time, that was when Seth was not looking for more acquisitions people. He was trying yeah. to pass you off to us, and I was like, we don't we don't need more acquisitions people right now. We just had Andrew at that time, but it was we only had like two or three people working with us. Yeah, what transitioned you? Because if I remember right, you were in school. What transitioned mm-hmm. you to like I want to do sales like? What, why did you want to do that? Oh, man, I, I love this story, and I, I love that question. So um, I was in college at the time, and what you mentioned with sports is, like, I was um, really heavily, like, a football player. That was my identity. That's who I was. Um, took a gap year from college um, because of COVID in 2020. That's when I graduated. And then I went to St. Francis to play football. Um, realized I didn't really like it. Um, and was going there and was trying to figure out how to do things. So well, you didn't like what? You didn't like St. Francis? You didn't like football or both? A um, little bit of both. Um, more so, like, I didn't really love football anymore. Mm. Um, I kind of lost my, my love for it. That's a whole other story. But um, also, too, I was realizing in college, like, it, I had a realization at one point, I don't remember when, that, like, I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to have, like, a 9-to-5 or, like, work in an office. So I was trying to figure things out um, that way. Like, what can I do? Um, and I think it, I actually have the, the video saved. Um, it was like November, December of 20, 2021. Um, I, while I was in college, I saw a video on TikTok of a guy talking about him selling paper. Um, he's like, you see how I got this log cabin? By selling paper. And I was like, what is this guy talking about? And I dove into his TikTok and found out he was wholesaling. Mm. Um, so I was like, okay, let me, let <laughs> me dive into He this. wasn't working for Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, dude, this guy was selling paper. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't selling printing paper. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had like his whole TikTok based around wholesaling. So I like dove into it and he kind of like set the groundwork for me of like, you want to find distressed properties, go on a prop stream, do all this. And I was like, Okay, I'll dive into it. I actually at that point was doing um, like tutoring during the day to get credits at college. And during those tutoring hours, I never really tutored anybody. I just studied wholesaling. (laughs) So I was doing that. um, And that's how I kind of got into it overall in wholesaling. Um, I pulled a list on PropStream of like tax delinquents or pre-foreclosures or something like that. And I would literally sit um, at home and I got these numbers pulled off of PropStream and I just dial on my phone. And I was dialing, and I got to, like, 50 people, and um, the first person that answered and said, hey, I'm interested, I already had, like, 30 no ha- thirty hang-ups. So um, he was like, yeah, I'm interested. I was like, uh, uh, okay, and just agreed to his price um, and sent him a contract. Um, ended up, you know, not selling, but I got the agreement, um, posted it on the RIA on Facebook. Um, so that was, like, my first taste of wholesaling. I went and took pictures of the property, um, realized it wasn't a deal, um, and that was around January. So I started learning in December, and then January I got my first one under contract. And then um, after that, this is how I did my first actual deal. Um, I found a property on Facebook Marketplace, and it was posted for 45 and I literally just texted the guy on Messenger. I was like, hey, would you take 35 And he was like, No. Um, so then I actually got him on the phone and he accepted 37. So I got an agreement there, put it back on Facebook marketplace for 45 to sell it again. Um, and then I ended up getting a buyer. They were at 40 and I was like, if you do 42, we'll close. And, um, he did 42 seller wanted to go to 39. Um, so long story short, I ended up closing that deal, um, based off of Facebook marketplace. And I was in college at the time and, it was now it's March of 2022. I go to Metropolitan Title and I pick up a check for three grand. And that's probably like the biggest check I've ever earned in my life. And I'm a broke college student. I thought I just like won the lottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was like the holy grail. You know, I was sending pictures to my buddies. I was like, holy crap. You know, I just made three grand. They're asking me how I did it. Um, and at that point, that was kind of like proof of concept for me. I was like, I'm doing this. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. 
Um, and then to wrap it all the way back around to getting involved with Middle America Homes, um, Brennan Byerline was working with um, Seth at the time, if you guys remember mm-hmm. him. Um, and he posted on a Snapchat story about like their deals they're doing and like all of the assignment fees. I was like, that's what I want to do. So then I swiped up and said, Hey, do you guys need help? Like, I'd love to come in. And then it was like a week after my birthday in March, I came in and like met Luis, met Brennan, met Seth. Um, and then it was all kind of uphill from there. Just started working with Seth. And the thing was that Seth got me hooked um, was number one, the assignment fees. They were doing a lot with SFR3. So they're doing like, I think that month they did, um, you know, $80,000 or something like that. So I'm like, these guys are doing it. Um, And he had a list of people like, yeah, these people mentioned they want to sell. And here's a list of 150 people. Call them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, I can like dial on a CRM and just call them. He's like, yeah. And I thought it was like, dude, this is amazing. <laughs> so yeah. I just jumped in and started calling and, and learning. So, um, yeah, long story uh, about how I kind of got started. So, Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before, and honestly, we've tried several different CRMs, and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. I like it. One thing we got to say really quick is if you are one of those wholesalers, that are doing that. That is the kind of stuff that we call out. That is bull crap. So if you're watching this, do not be one of those wholesalers that go and sign a contract and then just back out of it. Yep. That's that's what you don't do. Make sure that you put an expectation in there in your contract that says, hey, give me two weeks to find a partner. Give me 30 days. Let them know what you're doing and say, hey, I got a, a couple other people that are actually going to help me purchase this property because this is my first one. You just be straight up with them. And as long as you set the expectation there's nothing wrong but um if you're going out there and you don't have the money you can phrase it in another way that still sets the proper expectations and still get it under contract so just want to point that out there before we move on yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing i did not know when i started and i had to learn it the hard way um so yeah that's how wholesalers get a bad reputation yeah is by you know you talk to someone who's like you know this is the property lived in for 20 years um, and they're moving on to another property and you guarantee them an amount, you say you're going to buy it and then you back out when they've already moved. Like they just changed their whole life. Yeah. So, um, I'm really glad you, you mentioned that. So, yeah. How, how old were you when you got it under contract too? You're like 19 or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if the end buyer thought if the seller actually was like, I don't know if this kid's got the money or not. Like, I wonder if he was sketched it out was at all. It was so sketchy. It was the most sketchy deal you you could have done. I literally texted a title rep on Facebook. I was like, hey, I've got this seller and this buyer, and they want to buy it. I don't know what to do. And they're like, I'll handle it. I was like, okay. So it was, yeah, it was crazy. But Yeah, that's crazy, too, because I remember when we first started, I mean, I was, so let me think. It was 2018. I'm 29 now, so five years ago, I'd have been 23, 24, and we were buying properties and nobody ever asked us for proof of funds. Like, it was crazy. And Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, I guess these guys can close. Like, if you're confident, you go in there with a contract, it seems like not very many people think we've sent proof of funds maybe like twice. Right. And and when they ask now, I almost am like, Dude, <laughs> go look at our reviews. Like, we're, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll close it. Even if we don't have the money right now, like, we, we'll get the money. Don't worry. But it is crazy how you can be 19 years old, go sign a contract with some 40-year-olds, and then they don't even question it. There's like, all right, that, they, that's kind of scary and why it, yeah. wholesalers do get a bad reputation because yeah. you are affecting other people's lives and, like, in this city. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stuff we, we will not allow. So, right. Um, just want to at least point it out. So yeah. 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 So uh, you do some social media. You've been doing yep. some fitness stuff, doing some live seller calls, that sort of thing. What yeah. inspired you to get into social media? And then uh, is there anybody that you're like copying or emulating or anybody who inspires you that you're like, 
I want to do it like this person does it? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so the one thing is, like, I can attribute, I really do, like, I'm so grateful for you guys and what you guys have here in LTD because a lot of where I'm at and, like, what I've decided to do is because of you guys and, like, being around you. Um, and it was actually um, going to Arizona Actually, it was Vegas um, for the wealthy investor. I think it was with Alex Ramosi. Was he there? That yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It was last year. Um, and all of these guys that I wanted to be like entrepreneurs, Ryan Pineda. They were all talking about social media. They had these social media brands. Um, and I was like, man, I really need to get into this and do it and put myself out there. Um, and I can remember too, there was a guy in Arizona. Um, I was helping Jacinda move at the time. I was staying with her for like a week. Um, and there was a, a group there that she was, you know, working with and we were doing an outdoor workout and he was asking me like, Hey, what's your Instagram? I was like, Oh, I deleted it. And I deleted it at that time because it was a lot of people I didn't really like anymore from high school. And I was like, I want to clear everything. He was like, what are you doing? <laughs> he was like, why don't we have social media? And I was like, uh, I, I don't know. He's like, you need social media. And so um, that really inspired me. And then the person that I'm learning from right now in the social media space is um, Wes Watson. Um, so I, I met him um, in Miami a few months back, got on um, his workout programs and things like that. Um, and I was following him for a few months before that. Um, and really, really like his story is really crazy and what he's been able to build from. He used to be like 10 years in prison. Um, and what he's built up to now um, really inspired me. Um, so, yeah, I got on coaching with him, and he's kind of got a, a blueprint and things like that that I'm following for social media. And it's kind of where I'm incorporating a little bit of both, um, like the fitness aspect of things and then also like the real estate wholesale business. Those are kind of the main things um, that I'm, like, putting out there, just kind of telling people what I'm doing, you know. Um and I believe overall, you know, just like I mentioned with like Alex and Mosey and all these big guys, they all have social medias. You guys have social medias. It's just a free tool for um, getting yourself out there that like a lot of people don't utilize. And so, you know, I was like, I want to be like these guys. So I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because uh, one of his things, Wes Watson, I don't know if you've seen him, but it's rich, rich, ripped, rich rare yep <laughs> and so what's funny to me is I, I remember watching a podcast and i think it was brad lee and him but basically what they talked about he's like dude do you know how many people are like you know how many people in the u.s that have a six-pack or in the world i think it's like less than five percent or something like that mm -hmm. and then the amount of millionaires there are it's one percent so like the amount of people that they sold the shirts to that are actually ripped rich like considered rich is like basically none of them. Yeah. Like the odds yeah. of anybody actually wearing that shirt actually being those two things <laughs> uh -huh. is like l less than 1% of the people who bought the shirt, which I thought was so funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really, really funny. And it's, that's one thing too. Um, that like, man, I, I had a, like a moment in college where I was just like, I don't know what, what day it was or what sparked it. I just had a thought like, man, I just, I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to be like everybody else. And that slogan that Wes had too, like really inspired me too. It was like, I want to be that. Mm. So, yeah. Well, let, let's ask a real tough, deep question then. Sure. What is rich? What does that mean to you? <sighs> um, rich to me. Um, this word is put out there a lot, um, phrase financial freedom. Um, so one thing that I kind of realized is that I don't want, um, someone else to be able to dictate my life, my time, um, the things that I do. Um, so rich to me is having the freedom to do whatever I please and not have to worry about money or expenses mm. or, um, you know, I can do what I want. I can travel. I can do this. Um, so rich to me is having the freedom to do whatever I please um, without having to worry about money or paying for things. And also, too, it's um, being able to provide because one of the biggest things, you know, I want and see for my life is having a big family. You know, I want like six, seven, eight kids, like as many as I can have um, and being able to provide for them. Um you know, that's just, um, that's a big thing for me. So yeah, kind of that, that freedom. That's what 
rich means to me. Mm-hmm. Have you have you done any math on like how much that would need to be in order for you to be able to do that? Like, is there a dollar amount? Like, okay, hey, if I got five million dollars in the bank and it's earning me this, or if I have this, or I'm you know my expenses are this, I, if I make this much, like, have you done anything like that where you like really had to figure out this is my number in order to be rich, or is it more of like a feeling, or how do you define it more? I say, I think for me, it's um, more so defined as a feeling. Um, I haven't like gotten the numbers down and everything. I have numbers that like I want to reach to be able to feel like I'm there, which is like 250,000 in profit a month and like 350 revenue, that type of thing. Um, But it's more so like I have certain goals, like I'm looking for like long term, like um, five to 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Like I want... um, what I have now. So I don't really have the um, number yet because at that point I want to be able to have my own house. Um, I want to be like buying rentals and stuff like that. Um, so there's multiple things that like I, I want to do. Um, but I haven't really like got a number on it yet. Um, but yeah. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about Batch Leads is that if you've skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch Leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try Batch Leads today. So I want to clarify a couple things. So when you say $250,000 a month, are you talking your company? Yes. Okay. Correct. And then, so that'd be $3 million a year. What is your portion of $3 million a year? Like, what do you pay yourself in distributions? Like, do you guys have a set amount of distributions already established or anything like that yet? That's a really good question. So with that, it's a little bit um, kind of complicated as of right now. So me and Seth, um, we kind of have like a verbal agreement that like, hey, we're both in this together as partners, um, because I was like one of the only guys that stuck around through the hard times. We haven't actually um, put together like our agreement yet. I said that most of them came over to us. They're like, oh, it's getting weird. Let's go with LTD. <laughs> they did. Yep. Yep. Um, so we don't really have it yet, but what we want it to be um, in the future is like 50% of profit for each of us. And we haven't done that yet. As of right now, um, it is commission and sales leader fee because I'm running our sales team um, because Seth has a lot more monthly expenses than I do right now. Mm-hmm. So for us to do 50% of profit would be basically him being like, I'm going to have to foreclose my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, at those numbers, that makes it so that Seth can be 100% um, like good with his lifestyle at the 50% mark mm-hmm. um, and that I could be as well. Um, so that's kind of where it's at. That's what you know that number would reach. We kind of have like, we're thinking about um, like, because business can change like that, and we've seen that happen. Um, So what we're wanting is, like, the consistent profitability of that number, like consistent um, close to six figures of profit, like, for six months, and then we're putting our agreement together, Mm. um, that type of thing. But as of right now, it's that um, commission and then the sales leader fee. Got it. I'm going to, I'll give you a, just a little bit of advice just so this sure. should be a coaching moment for you and for everybody listening. So what I would do is figure out what rich down to the number, like, mm-hmm. okay, what do you need your lifestyle to be like in order for you to feel like you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, when you actually nail down a number and then you work it backwards on how to get there, it's, it's so much more powerful yeah. than that feeling thing, because that feeling never comes. I'll tell you, like mm. it never comes, dude, we're making We're making a lot of money and the feeling is not there because it's based on math. It's not based on a feeling. So really do the math on it. It's going to help you to get there a lot faster and it'll help you actually know whenever you hit that goal Um, because the feeling just doesn't come, I promise. The other thing that I would say is uh, with with the, the 50%, of that it's not sustainable so you can't do 50 percent. it's got to be a whole lot less and so if you're making three million dollars a year you're probably gonna have to take out more like 
maybe maybe you do distributions of 30% and then, you know, because you're a wholesaling business, so it doesn't take as much capital as what like a flipping business or anything would. Correct. But you're probably not going to be able to bring out, you know, 50%. So you really got to figure out, okay, what can I reinvest in the company and then what can we take out? And then the business still survives and it's still able to thrive. Mm. So, but yeah. the biggest thing is make sure you figure out what that math is for you. And when you work that backwards, like that's what all of people say, Grant Cardone, Chris Crone, like everybody tells you work the math backwards and it's crazy how yeah. like your mind just goes to work to find a way to make that happen. Gotcha. Like you would just you just figure it out and you're like, okay, based on this, I need to do this. And then it's the same thing with sales and KPIs and figuring out how many calls you gotta make in order to get it. It's the same thing. Just right. do it with your life. Yeah. Like how much do you need to make to where you're like, dude, I'm good. And sometimes like 250k a month you probably don't need that much to actually feel rich like if you're bringing in you know let's just say thirty thousand dollars a month net to nick peasley you're probably you're probably gonna feel all right but it might be less than that so that that would be my advice yeah 100 i really i really do appreciate that Yeah. yeah yep yep i'll definitely have to like figure out um what that exact number is i'll do that for sure um, because it makes sense, especially when you related it to the sales, yeah. you know, um, it's like, cause we have it down to a T like, you know, how many calls it makes to get this, you know, agreement, how many agreements we need to get, how many BCs, like all of this is just reverse engineering it. And I didn't yep. do the same thing with my life. So exactly. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yep. What marketing techniques work best for you guys? So you have a team of virtual assistants mm-hmm. doing cold calling, things like that. I mean, it looks different from our organization so how do you guys approach marketing and what are your what does your business look like yeah so um great question and these are the things that like i just can talk about forever (laughs) um so we've had a lot of changes recently um the main marketing technique that has worked for us the best where we've got a return on investment of 12 to 1 um is texting which is launch control um and at one point here um we were doing 7,500 texts a day. Um, and that's our best, you know, Seth was really good at optimizing that. Um, and then also we've explored a bunch of different other options for marketing. Um, so recently it was last year when we were working with SFR three, um, we had a cold call team in the Philippines. Um, Seth made that cold call team. Um, and they would cold call people. They would get, you know, the four pillars, which is situation, motivation, condition, um, asking price, and then send them over. Um, that was one of our others. Those are probably the main two. And then we did a little bit of direct mail. Direct mail was good for us as well. Um, so those are the three main ones that we've done. And then recently, um, we've gone to pay per lead. Um, so there's a company called Lead Zolo. Shout out to Lead Zolo. Um, really, really good leads. Um, so what they do is they have like YouTube ads, TikTok ads, um, website ads, and you pay for a certain county. Like you go ahead and you put um, a certain amount of money into a wallet and they'll send you these leads once they go ahead and put it in their website. Um, those have worked really, really well for us. Hmm. Um, they're very, very good quality because these people like filled out a whole form. They're like interested in selling. Um, so right now our two main marketing is that which is paper lead and then texting we slowed down texting a lot here recently but funny story this is a good lesson for anyone who um is trying to run a cold call team or you know any team overseas um so this comes down to me and Seth's fault quite a bit so we wanted to recreate the cold call team we had last year um and the market was different um so that cold call team that we created thrived in that market now we really like three months before this we set the standard we're like okay we need to get you know these many vetted leads to um go ahead and get this many deals and we're like how many cold callers do we need to have to get this many vetted and it was 10 cold callers mm-hmm. so like all right we're going to start interviewing we're going to start hiring all these people so we hired a lot of virtual assistants um we had i think it was just last month we had probably like 13 or 14 virtual assistants callers yeah holy crap yeah yeah and we hired about eight um just here recently and this past monday so this cold call team that we had um we were paying a lot of money like month we were paying hourly for them it was probably like three or four grand a week um to run this cold call team and we weren't getting the results we wanted um so we really really had a deep dive into it me and seth did and we found out um 
that the cold callers we had in the Philippines were faking their hours. No. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, and I was doing daily sales training with them, putting so much effort into it. Um, and they were faking, faking a lot of hours. Um, how'd you find that out? So there's something called time doctor, which shows like, you know, how much time they spend on their screen when they're active. Um, so we found out, we went and looked at it, um, and found out that they were finding a way to make it look as if they were having activity, but they weren't. Um, so it was showing on time doctor that they were working, but they were actually on a different screen or just had their computer running. Also, um, they created a group chat within our Slack and I didn't even think you could do this, um, of all of them together. Um, we're having conversations around, you know, as long as we get a paycheck, you know, um, Blah, blah, blah. And then they were saying um, things along the lines of, you know, whenever someone answers, just put um, warm lead and then go on to the next, um, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, that's how we figured out. He found that group chat and then actually looked at their time doctor and found that out. So this past Monday, I had a call with the entire team and I had to fire half of our, co half of our um, you know, online team in the Philippines. Um, so did that. And we kept like our um, most solid team there who actually has been getting results and like follows our culture. It was five or six people. One of them we've had for three years that is, you know, got us close to $400,000 in, in revenue. We've kept her, right? Um, is that Sarah? So, yeah, yeah, Sarah. Um, and so we, we have just a very much smaller team and like the like stress and burden is like, whew, like it felt like there was like a huge burden on our shoulders for so long because like it was it's not so long it was a few months mm -hmm. um but me and Seth were like how are we doing payroll this monday mm -hmm. how are we doing this you know um and it was stressful and now like cutting that all off it was like now we just feel like we're skyrocketing uh, we had like f five or six deals in the past two days with just me and junior doing acquisitions um so yeah that's a long-winded answer um but yeah, that's, you know, what we've done for marketing. Um, and recently, what we're doing now is a little bit of texting and then the paper lead. Mm. How, what dialer do you use? We use follow-up boss as a CRM. Mm. We're considering going to another, but that has worked pretty well for us. So they can call from follow-up boss? The cold callers that we had? Yeah. Oh, so the cold callers that we had, um, they were using call tools. Okay. Yep. And then how much money were you paying them? Were you paying them like three an hour? Or? So um, the way that we hired them too is that Seth is so good at um, these type of things and like bringing people in. He's really good at scaling. Um, that's why we, we work together so very really well because I love sales and I'm really, really good at it. And he's good at scaling and marketing. And he was able to get the most talented VAs um out there so they're hourly they wanted more up front because they were we were only getting people who've done real estate calls mm. like getting vas on online ph jobs where they worked in real estate mm. um so with that being the perspective we had to pay them more to start so it was like four or five bucks an hour and then towards the end we added an incentive of a dollar per vetted lead um so yeah overall it came out to weekly about 2500 to three grand Okay. And then your lead Zolo, how much do you pay per lead? Um, it's around, oh gosh, that's a Seth question. Um, I think it's around 500 or 750 a lead. Um, but the thing is, is that with those leads, they are so quality. Um, like you get, it's one in seven, um, one in seven or eight, if you're a good closer, um, which I've, we've got seven so far and I've got one about to go under contract with an agreement. Um, also one more thing. Another marketing tactic we did recently. Um, so there's partnerships that you can do with lead companies where they send you leads for free and then you pay them on the back end mm. of the wholesale fee. Um, and we learned real quick with that. <laughs> what, that's not a good way? Um, well, not for us. It's for some people. Mm. It is. Um, we figured out it wasn't for us. So what we did was we had them send us leads nationwide. Um, and what we figured out is they would send us a ton of leads and we had to filter through all of them some of them would be listed they weren't very good quality leads um and we had to, our team was spending so much time filtering through all of these and then once we would get one it would be like somewhere in the middle of virginia and we didn't have anybody to buy it like no comps yeah we didn't know how to comp it either so we'd get it too high and then we'd try and sell it we'd have to go back to the seller it was wasting a ton of our time mm -hmm. and we actually did a few of them where we sold and we made um a 15 grand fee 
on one a wholesale fee and gave 7500 of it oh they take half 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 that's crazy and at the end i'm like dude we Not can't do this yeah. <laughs> we can't do this um so we learned that too here mm. recently so that's good. I'm glad you said that because I actually have been seeing a lot of advertisements for that. Pay on the back end. I'm like, no. what's the back end look like? If mm -hmm. it is 50%, then yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And so mm -hmm. we do the same thing with people who bring us leads. Like, hey, if you want to bring us a lead, we'll give you two grand if we close it. If you have it under contract, obviously, you know, we'll freaking pay whatever. You mm -hmm. know, like you guys have made $50,000 um, assignment fees on us. We don't give a crap what you make if you got it under contract. But yeah. if you give us a lead and we got to do all of the work, all the follow-up, all getting it under contract, the negotiation everything mm -hmm. dude you can't ask for a whole 50. bunch of money yeah you can't ask for a whole bunch of money or 50 percent or thing if we're literally doing like 99 percent of the work exactly yeah so you're literally just crazy. sending us the leads and we have to do all the follow-up and it was one thing too for there's always these gut feelings that um me and seth will have sometimes and there was a gut feeling these past three weeks when i was working on these leads that they were sending us i was like something's not right something's just not clicking with me um, and it was because I was doing so much work on all of these leads to basically get nothing yeah. and it felt horrible. And I was like, Seth, man, we got to figure this out. And that, that pertains to one thing I talk about all the time too, is like working through discomfort. A lot of times on the other side of that, you know, things get a lot better because that's where a lot of people quit. Mm -hmm. Um, once you learn through that, you know, um, you have a completely different perspective and you know a lot more. That's at least what I've experienced. Mm. Yeah, you impact a lot there. I want to say one last thing, too, is just uh, something I don't even know if you realized it, but when you have people that are the wrong people, they will feel like a weight just freaking dragging you down. And technically they are yeah. because you're paying them money. They're not feeding into the environment. They're literally dragging everybody else down because they're texting everybody else and trying to demotivate everybody. Yep. And what's crazy is it'll be one person. And then as soon as you get the one person out and everybody's back on board, it's crazy how you just skyrocket. And so what you have to do in business is identify that with your, your KPIs, with your gut feeling, with whatever it is. And Make sure that everybody's on the same page and they want to win. Because when you do get that team, like you said, now you feel like you're freaking going. You are. And so, but you have to watch it again whenever anybody else is not not with it. And the craziest part is when it changes, mm -hmm. you know, like whenever people were and now they're not, that's yeah. when it's really difficult. But yeah, like cutting that stuff off is is insane what it does for you guys as a company. 100%. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And that's one thing also too, like, as we've done this and like I've gone through this with Seth, um, I've really realized like how much our strengths and weaknesses um, align with each other. Like my strengths fill in his weaknesses and his weaknesses or my weaknesses, his strengths fill in for. Mm -hmm. And one thing, he has a huge heart. Mm -hmm. um, so he wants to a lot of times like give people second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Yep. And I'm a lot more cutthroat. I'm like, if you're not serving us, get out, mm -hmm. get out. Um, so we have a really good dynamic going on there so i really yeah i appreciate you saying that too because i really realized that like once you know that it's not serving them or us or the company have to cut it off so yeah, yeah. the funniest part is i feel like tony and i are both you would think that i would be more cutthroat like you just straight up i feel like would be like all right fire this person get them out of here and stuff and i feel like tony's usually more of like I don't think this makes sense to keep them around anymore. And then I'm usually like fighting for them, even though I'm like deep down, I'm like, I don't think it's right either. But like, yeah. I don't know why it's hard. It's a tough thing. It is hard, man. It's hard. Yeah, I just, I think, uh, well, part of it is just uh, discernment and being judgmental and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. for me, I uh, feel like I'm good at looking at the downside <laughs> like when we're looking at deals and stuff like that, I'm like, here's the five things that we should think about and hire a lawyer to do kind of thing. Yeah, but it's it, it's easier when it's on the outside, too, I feel like. Mm. And for, for whenever we've had discussions about it, for me, for you, I guess, it doesn't seem like it matters whether they're like a contractor or whether they're inside the organization. I still feel like you're like, I don't know, like you still have been more like it doesn't make sense so like let's say Allie for example like you asked me about her several times and I kept like trying to find a way and I'm like I don't know then like with Jeff you knew that we should have fired him a long time ago and I pushed it out eight months mm. and uh 
it's crazy because that that weight I just for some reason advocate for them, and then I feel yeah. like we've gotten better at it now to where it's more of just like, dude, I don't think it's working, and so we had to let go of Jacob actually, and mm-hmm. with with that, and that was hard. But that was one of the first people that I've ever fired, and mm. it was it's difficult. But yeah, it's it's, it's crazy how different the culture and everything feels now because yeah, and, of that. And Pineda gave us a decent roadmap for that too, just like setting up criteria and expectations and accountability. And then mm-hmm. when they don't hit the specific KPIs that you create, then it's like, hey, we already had a talk about this. Yeah, two two times. This is the third time, and so. Yep. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, We'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. That's one of the things, um, the biggest expectations, like expectations with sellers, expectations with your employees, because one thing last year is that, um, you know, Seth brought me on. I didn't have any expectations. He had Luis. We brought other people on. So it's a lot harder to make the decision Mm -hmm. because you don't have the expectation. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. Um, So then you're just going off of a gut feeling like, hey, we have to fire you just because they're like, why? That makes it a lot harder. Um, so yeah, that's what, one thing we've learned. Um, like we just brought on a, um, new kid. He came from the Ria. His name's Bennett. I'm really excited. He's been doing great. He just started this week nice. as an acquisition guy. Yeah. But I, I wrote up a agreement with him. Wait, he's Bennett. Was he a Psy? I think he was in my group. He was group. a Oh, okay. Yeah. He, was, he was in my was group. Was he the, he's got a, like he was talking about his rich dad and stuff and then like how he really wanted to do something for himself and. Yeah, man. Okay. That's awesome. I've been doing, um, meetings with him and the sales trainings and he's doing really great so Good. far. Um, but like I had a agreement written up for him. I'm like, Hey, these are the criteria. These are our company values. If at any point you're out of line with our company values, we're probably going to part ways. Mm-hmm. If at any point you don't put in the work to get these results, we're going to part ways. Mm-hmm. So now the expectation is set. So if it comes to that point, which hopefully it doesn't, you know, he's a great guy, um, you know, then we can have that like, hey, the expectation was set and it wasn't met. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's I feel, yeah, and I, I feel like that's 100% what you have to do, and that's the easiest way to do it. What gets interesting, though, is, well, a couple things. One is going to be when you hire somebody, you don't know exactly what it's going to look Correct. like. Because when you're in sales and when you're in wholesaling, I feel like it is a lot easier. You're either performing or you're not. Yep. And so it's easier to measure. That's why it was easier for me to let go of Jacob, because it's like, bro, it's very obvious. You, you're not making money for yourself, and you're not making money for us. So it's like this is not sustainable for either of us. So that, to me, is easier. What's hard is whenever it's more of like an admin role or a role that you Correct. don't even know exactly what the frick they're going to do, and then they get in it, and then they're halfway doing it, and they're like, that was not what I envisioned, but we didn't. We, you didn't even know what it was going to be. Right. And so you're just trying to make it up as you go, too, and figure out what it is. And you're like, I think this person's in the wrong role. But then yep. they keep trying, and they want to push through, and you're like, oh, dang. Or the other side of it, that's one side that makes it really difficult. The other one is whenever they are doing it, and they do really well, and then they're not. Mm. And then yep. they continue to go down, and you have a conversation with them, and they go up, and then they come back down. And you're like, okay. What the frick do I do now? Because there's a weird sense of like, you know, I would say that Tony and I have a lot of loyalty to people too. And so it's like, dude, like, you know, I know Ryan uh, Pineda got a lot of flack for for firing one of his guys or letting him go because he had an issue with his daughter and like she was in the hospital and stuff. And so like that was a hard decision. But like, what do you do when the person running your company had something happen in their life? They're not able to do it. Like you can't just stop as a company if everybody's relying on that person, but also like you care about the person. So I'm like, dude, that's one of the hardest spots that I could see getting into in business. It's like you guys are probably going to experience that soon too. But yeah, yeah, the biggest thing for everybody listening is yes, set the expectations like you said. And like that makes it a lot easier if you can set the expectations set the expectation if you don't know what it's going to look like then that's what i tell people we don't know what it's going to look like whenever we do have it we will hold you to that and make sure that it's 
on like one thing I always do is make sure that it's on me and I gave them all of the tools necessary in order for them to succeed and yes. if they didn't it's 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 on them right yeah they didn't meet the expectation and that's one thing too it's like um why one percent of the population's business owners yeah <laughs> and one percent is one percent because there's these things you got to go through and a lot of people aren't willing to do that and it's what you sign up for you know when you're a business owner and I came to that realization here recently it's like this is what I've signed up for, these hard decisions, you know, um, managing people, relationships. There's so many people involved in the business, you know. This person, um, you're providing for them, you know, this is their job for them to take care of their family. Um, you know, if this happens and this happens, like, there's so many inter interweb things and, you know, you have so much stress. Like, yeah. it's that's part of being a business owner. It's like, how bad do you want the end result? And for me, like... I am so driven by this end result of wanting to be my control of my life and have financial freedom that I'm willing to go through all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just kind of what you sign up for. Yeah. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's a great point of like having a future that's that's worth suffering mm -hmm. for is is very, very important. That's something that I'm actually working through now is like figuring out, OK, what is worth suffering for, you know, because you're right. going to. You're going to suffer one way or the other. And that's yeah. the funniest part is no matter what, you're going to suffer. If you do nothing, you're going to be pretty upset that you did nothing because you didn't go towards your potential, what you knew you could do. And then if you uh, – the opposite would be if you go and then, like, you don't even know what you're going towards. You're just, like, doing the stuff to keep going. Yeah, and that reminds me um, – there was an Ed Milet podcast with Tim Tebow um, and talking about, like, the struggle um, – it me he mentioned, Tim Tebow said, adversity is here. Mm -hmm. It either just left or it's coming. Yep. And that's for, like, everybody. And I take that as, like, 100% fact. Yep. Like, that's how it's been for me. Um, you know, there's always going to be adversity. It's like, how are you going to handle it? What, what podcast was that? Because I heard that same exact quote. It was um, Ed Milet and Tim Tebow. On his, on Ed Milet's podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I wrote that down, so it's funny because you, you mentioned that one. I wrote that down in my book. Like, adversity yeah. is here, on its way, or just left. Like, yep. it's, it's it's something. That, so, yeah, I love that quote. Yep, yep. So, uh, are you single? Yes. Are you looking for a relationship? We can yeah. Bump, bump you in right here. <laughs> any, any, any single females, anybody listening to this uh, podcast who... Uh, knows their their cousin or their niece or whoever you know. Twenty. Uh, what's your age gap? Just, just, we got to talk about this. Like, we talked. <laughs> we've talked to, yeah, we've talked to Tony about this. We know his age Mine's gap. Pretty now. big. <laughs> He's got a big age gap. I'm 32 though. What's your what's your what's your minimum age? I'm gonna hope it's 18. That's probably the correct. <laughs> yeah, the, correct. the cutoff is hopefully 18 <laughs> on the low side. 17 in Indiana. So. Okay, let's say 18, 18 for 18. Nick. I'm going to set that one for you. <laughs> All right, what's your what's your oldest that you'll go, buddy? Man, I'm I'm open like 35. 35. Yep. Yep. 35. There's okay. not a plus or minus on that one. It's like so we'll just say, minus and then plus, so plus, plus. 18 to 35. So if you are 18, 35 into a blonde, all right, you got brown hair, brown hair, blue eyed, uh, uh, twenty-one year old, and you're okay with the last name of Peasley. Yeah, you like, crazy, crazy last name. And you name. like Peasley? He's ripped, rich, and rare. <laughs> Hit him up. <laughs> so, besides finding your significant other, what's your biggest struggle right now, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Loaded that one up for me. Um, biggest struggle right now. This is um, this is really deep. So the biggest struggle, it kind of pertains to that um, because I am very, very focused on creating the future for myself that I want. So it's like right now it's business and working out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's what I'm doing and making money. Um, a lot of time for anything else is like I'm just kind of pushing away. So I've been having conversations with family like we um, would go to. A lot of functions, like, you know, once a week, you know, family would do that. And I just have kind of had to have the conversation with them, like, hey, I'm going to be working a lot. I can't really do that. So that's been really tough. It's been hard to do that. And also, too, having a significant other because in the past I was not the best with the relationships with women. Um, you know, I was very much so, um, you know, like throughout high school and into college, like a womanizer. It was it was not good, you know, who I was with women. Um so then I kind of just like, I was like, I need to stop this. 
Um, and so I completely stopped it. And with that came along with like not even trying it. Um, so I've been dealing with that, um, family and then, you know, finding a significant other, um, you know, getting comfortable with being alone. Um, that's really one thing that I've been working on, um, is cause there is times, you know, where if I'm not working and I've done my workouts, it's just like, all right, you know, I've watched the YouTube video and I'm just sitting there. Like, I'd love to have somebody here right now. Um, so being able to be comfortable alone, um, kind of working through family and like being able to see them while also working business and then finding that significant other. So that ties in. Yeah. Do you think your parents are a good example? It looked like they were still together based on the research that I was doing. Do no, you think... uh, they're divorced. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So do you, well, are, did they get remarried? Um, not yet, but they both have significant others. Okay. Do you think either one of them is a quality example of like what you'd be looking for? Or do you think that they did a good job of being parents before they got divorced in your life or like... Yeah, that's one thing I can really, um, you know, I do am grateful for and respect them. They gave me a really good childhood. I mean, they split up when I was about 14, which was a little hard. Um, But my mom is one of the nicest, most supporting people I've ever met in my life. Like anything that I do, she's like, I'm here for you, honey. I got you. I'm here. Like always. I forgot we met your mom. Yeah, yeah. She's at the Legion most times when we're at the Rhea. But um, that's one thing, you know, that she has always, always been super supportive of me. And I can't thank her enough for that. If I was going to go do underwater basket weaving as my job, she'd be like, that is the coolest thing ever, honey. (laughs) (laughs) So um, really, really appreciative of, of that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. We got our final question here. I don't know if you know what's coming. Final. This, final. This is the this is the serious one. So fast forward all the way to the end of your life. We'll say you made it to a hundred. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of years left yet, seventy nine. <laughs> so uh you're on your deathbed and uh you have a final message to the world. This is your legacy. Yeah. So it could be a sentence, a mantra, a paragraph, a quote. It could be a billboard in Times Square, whatever you think the world needs to hear that they'll be like, oh, yeah, that was Nick. Yeah, he would. He would have said that. Yeah, that's your legacy message. My legacy message to everyone out there um, would be your life is in your control. Um, Nobody else dictates your life. Um, It is yours um, for a reason. And it is up to you, you know, what you do what job you have, um, where you're at in life. Um, it is 100% your responsibility. Um, nobody else can change your life for you. Um, it is all up to you. Um, so take some responsibility, do what you want to do. Um, and don't hesitate because the life is not here forever. Um, you know, we're all, that's one thing we all have in common as humans is we're all going to die. You know, at some point we're all going to die. Um, so while you're here on this short time on earth, do what you want. Mm-hmm. Awesome. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Listeners can get a hold of me. Um, Instagram is one of my main things. I post on there pretty frequently. Um, Nick.Peasley, N-I-C-K dot P-E-Z-L-E-Y, Peasley like peas, like green peas. Um, Except spelled different. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm also on Facebook as well. Um, you can reach me on any of those. Um, also, I may as well just give my work phone number if anybody wants to sell any properties. Um, we would help you do that. Um, we do quite a few of them. Um, my number is 260-264-8069. We'll just edit that later and put our number in there. Instead of his voice, it's like Cody, and he's just like, 260. <laughs> <laughs> his voice just changes for a second. Yeah, if you, guys are, if you guys are watching this, and you got a deal, and it's outside of our buying area, then call Nick. <laughs> yep, Ohio, we're doing Ohio and Indiana. Anywhere in Ohio and anywhere in Indiana. Oh, you guys yes. aren't going out further anymore? No. Okay. Nope. No, no, no. We realize that. They do South Bend. They do Indy. They do Anderson, Indiana. They do... Laporte. Indi- Indian. You do a lot in Indianapolis, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, we do a lot in the Michigan area, a lot in Indianapolis, a lot in Fort Wayne, and we are big in the Dayton market 
as okay. of right now. You heard them. Downtown Detroit, they got it. <laughs> <laughs> Downtown Detroit, $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share with our viewers? Um, no, I mean, um, I really, really do appreciate you guys. Um, you know, if you guys want to at any point get into, you know, personal development, real estate, anything like that, these guys are your go-to. Um, one of the most, two of the most genuine people that I know um, have really, really, I don't know where I'd be, you know, if it wasn't for you guys. I can remember, um, I think it was like the second month I was here um, and it was the Psy Basic that was coming up. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't go to that, I don't know where, where I'd be. And a lot of that is attributed to you. And I can remember... Um, Tony, you know, you were pushing me to go. I was like one of the last people. Um, so, yeah, I can't, can't appreciate you guys enough. And I, um, you know, yeah, wouldn't know where I'd be without you. So if you guys need anything, hit awesome. these guys up. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, sir. All right. Cool, man. Cool, well, cool. thank you for coming on. Appreciate yeah, you. you. I think that, uh, yeah, we're excited for, for where you're at, what path you're on. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, the trajectory that you're on is a very good trajectory. Um, you know, regardless of how you end up getting there, like you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be on the right path. So appreciate that. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.